Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. Happy Tuesday to you. I'm going to give you fair warning. Coming this Thursday to test drive, we're a bit angry. We drive a car. We drive a car that we did not like very much, and uh, there's a lot to be said about it, and we're not fans. And here's the other part of it, though. I have to say this. We're not fans because we're bummed that the car isn't better. It's not just like this is bad. We talk about the history of this brand. We talk about all this kind of stuff. We talk about why we don't like what we're in. But uh, we get a bit ranty. There's a lot of unhappiness. <laughs> Think of ranty as our efforts to make things better. The things that we find that we don't like, mm-hmm, we're pointing mm-hmm. out to say, why is it this way? It could have been better. Mm-hmm. Let's put some genuine critical thinking behind this. And that was our headspace. Because many people have said, well, you guys just want to complain about blah, blah, blah. That's not the case. And we're not just there to complain. That's not mm. the point of a review. It's to find is this really good? Does it fit your lifestyle? Does it match the price point? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you do we think you should buy this car? Did they it hit comes their down targets? To our recommendations. Yes. Do we think you should buy it or not? Yes. Well, that's what's, what it's about. What's also fun with YouTube is because often in the same review you'll see somebody that essentially says these guys hate everything, and then later in the comment somebody that says these guys like everything. <laughs> right. So <laughs> or so anyway, so and so paid you. I oh yeah. Fine. I'm still waiting on those checks. By the way, that'd be really cool. Speaking of yeah. things we actually liked a lot, you just saw our Dream Drive piece on Motor Trend. That's coming to Amazon, too, where we have uh, the Porsche Vintage Speedster. It's kind of a Porsche. It's kind of not. And the Factory 5 Daytona Coupe, which means it's kind of a Daytona Coupe, kind of not. Those two on Pacific Coast Highway. And um, I will admit that some of what was said in the Daytona Coupe is lost to the ages because that car was loud. But it's a very fun piece. And thank you to all of you that watched it and enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. Big thanks to Haggerty and DriveShare for providing the cars as well as assist from Monterey Touring Vehicles. If you're Mm -hmm. in Monterey area, look them up. They can hook you up and drive share anywhere in the country. Absolutely. You can find some cool stuff and you can, you can find cars like those mm-hmm. that we drove. We took them out and had a wonderful time. The whole point of it is the real versions of these cars are too expensive to be taken out and driven. Yes. There's only six real Daytona coupes. There's the continuation cars, the other 50, but those are still half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody really takes them out except to car shows. You're right. So if you right. really want to get after it, what are you doing? You're driving a replica. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. both of these represent. And we had a glorious time. And it really was about what is it like to drive these as far as the price of fun? Mm-hmm. Are right. the real ones that much better? Are they worth mm-hmm. $20 million more? Well, okay. Sorry. Random side rant. Nothing to do with our TV episode. Did you see this past week on Bring a Trailer? There was a, a, uh, a specially lightweight, which doesn't mean much, but specially lightweight uh, E30. That's first gen BMW M3 that sold for a quarter million dollars. Yes, I saw that. Further proof that the world no, has lost okay its mind. It, 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 look, I like the E30 a lot. I love the E30 M3. If you ever get a chance to drive an E30 M3, I, I, I'm telling you right now, you will understand why it is beloved. Yes. And any time I've driven one for our icon film later on, we did a TV episode in, in season two that was uh, maybe, yeah, season two where we drove it versus the same 911 from the same era. Mm-hmm. Talked mm-hmm. about them as icons. Every time I drove that M3, it's it's so good, it's so very good. I can't overstress how great it is. It's wonderful. I agree. It's not worth a quarter million dollars. And whoever bought it for a quarter million dollars, 
won't drive it. That's what breaks my heart. No. You know they're going to park it somewhere because it was the CS version, and there's not very many, and so I bought it for a quarter million, and now I'm going to oh, gosh. Yes, and it's not in the category of cars we've identified as those you can pile the miles on, and they'll keep going up in value. You can wreck it. All you need is the VIN plaque, <laughs> rebuild the car around the VIN number. The McLaren F1 the problem, VIN, yes. Uh-huh. And you're fine. Mm-hmm. It is not quite there yet, so people won't drive them in an effort to make money on it in the future. It's a speculative car. It was never designed to be a speculation car. It was designed to drive. This is the thing that separates – sorry, separate rant again. This is the thing that separates cars, which are art, from actual art because the purpose (laughs) of actual art is to be hung on a wall and looked at. Done. Finished. That that it is serving its purpose. Yes. Whether you want to yes. debate whether or not it's worth what it's worth is a whole separate thing, and I'm with you. But its purpose is to hang there just like that, <laughs> and to be looked at. That's its. It is achieving its Quite. its goal. Yes. The, the car that sits there as art as an investment thing is a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And a quarter-million-dollar M3 is just not going to be driven. This is the bring-a-trailer effect. Sorry, I'm way off on, on, in the weeds. But we have lots of conversations coming up. Like, we're going to talk about the definition of a sports car, part two. We did this back in episode 395. And it's back. It's grown another head. We're going to talk about the beast some more. And uh, Joseph is writing in, needing a car for their dog. I look forward to talking about that as well. You've heard us talk about drive homework. Because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. As Todd said, we last talked about the definition of a sports car— Way back in April 2019, it's been quite a while, and I said on the podcast, we need to revisit this sometime in the future. Guess what? That time is now. As a matter of fact, Mark D. wrote to us just recently, Mark, I'm all hot. I'm I'm all Oh, you've got things to say, do you? I've got things to say. Okay, all right. He opened up the the Pandora's box. He opened up the door again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because he thinks we're both wrong. He thought we started well, and then he thought we veered off. But what I find funny about that is he felt like that the definition is a car that was built for fun. That was its purpose. It wasn't designed to also be a family hauler and a this and a that. But the thing is, I said almost that exact same sentence. I re-listened. I said almost exactly. <laughs> yes. I think the purpose of it was it was a platform built to be a driver's car first and nothing else. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where we went wrong, but go on. Here's the email. He was just listening to Podcast 395. We debated it. And he said that you, Todd, were almost on the right track until you threw down a figure of 3,000 pounds as the line in the sand and later said the Fiesta SC might qualify, but a Mustang GT350 would not. Here's what Mark thinks makes a sports car. It is designed from the ground up to maximize driving fun for the price. You kind of rephrased what well, you you stated it like that in a slightly I, I essentially way. said that the yes. platform was designed first and foremost to be a fun car, a driver's experience before anything else. I said that, yes. which is pretty much what Mark said as well. I let, understand. Let me uh, well, but hang on. I understand. I, I get a little off in the weeds when I start talking Fiesta ST. I understand that it isn't that. And I understand that I angered a lot of people by saying a Mustang GT350 might not be a sports car because, let's be honest, it's quite heavy. 
Mm-hmm. I want to revisit both of those things. And my 3,000-pound figure, I also understand, puts like four cars in the category. Totally. Okay. I, okay, I, fine. I, and I know that that's a little bit of a blurry line as well. I'm willing to go a little above 3,000. I just think cars are too heavy. Mark says this means an entire car platform either is or is not a sports car. Black and white. You can't make a car qualify as a sports car by giving it more power or a better suspension as BMW has made an entire business model out of. <clears throat> Regardless if you've now made it a competitive with cars designed from the ground up to perform. I'm glad we talked about the E30 M3 because that car is either a touring car or a racing car and not a sports car. I'll go with you on that. It's a good little sedan. Mm-hmm. Then the M3 version came out and it won the DTM, the touring car championships. It wiped the floor for years in that category. Those are quite slidey videos if you haven't seen them. But it's not considered a sports car because of all the parts that BMW screwed to it to make it a better car and go fast? Are you saying you disagree? You think it is a sports car? I think it is a sports car. Okay, all right. Mark says, does it need to be a convertible? No, not necessarily. Regardless of the original definition, hardtop sports cars can definitely be uncompromised. I don't see how. The top is compromised. Mm, okay, all right. Can it have a back seat? Two plus two is okay as long as it's not compromising the design. Sometimes a small back seat fits inside the performance car you designed. So he gives examples of 911s and 86s and Avoras. They're all sports cars. Agreed. Can it be front wheel drive? In Mark's opinion, no. He doesn't think he's ever seen a car designed from the ground up for a performance where they chose to make it front wheel drive. I have a contrasting example. Okay. And then back to large and heavy cars. This is, it is where it gets trickiest. When we're talking about Corvettes, way over 3,000 pounds, Bentley Continental GTs, Aston Martins, Camaros, Mustangs, Challengers. He says the Challenger's pushing it because it's more of a GT cruiser. Ultimately, I want to thank you because you just got me thinking again. Mm, Okay. I've actually changed my opinion. Oh, good for you. If you can believe it. Look at you. And I do want to reiterate that I'm just glad we all love cars. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. It really. You're right. You're who right. Who cares, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just glad that we're all here listening and we all love cars and we all can agree like, yeah, we love cars. The end. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the best part of this. It doesn't matter if we disagree. And I love learning from each other. I love when you and I learn from each other. Mm-hmm. I love when mm-hmm. we learn from the audience. And back to the point you've made before is the the whole point is not to bash each other over the head with stats. And I know true. this and I found out true, that. True. and. You know, you know nothing. I am the yes. automotive. Allow me to correct you because you got <laughs> right. it wrong. Yes. Because we do want to be inclusive to everybody mm-hmm. who wants to call their car a sports car. If it gives you the sports car like feeling and you can't afford what you think is a real sports car, that's an interesting that point. That is your little sports car. Well, absolutely. We yes. touched on this the last time, but we're circling back to it now. And that is, I don't like what I'm actually about to say. <laughs> okay. Sports utility vehicle yeah 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 these are not sports cars they were not designed to be sports cars they were designed to be people movers however what's crazy (laughs) is if you go to the bmw x5 m competition which we've driven in the past year the mercedes gls 63 s which is their suburban sized thing that goes like a lamborghini and i'm not exaggerating Yeah, yeah, yeah there's the e version of that that is similar we have a Durango with a Hellcat engine coming up mm-hmm. that exists in the world as well. We have reached, we've reached a place where your large family haulers can give you sports car feelings, sports car acceleration, sports car grip, mind you, <laughs> for, for less than the Lamborghinis of the world and carry the whole family. Now, by, by no part of my brain thinks that's a sports car. 
But if you are a person with four kids and you want to take weekend fun drives and the entire family wants to go, that is your sports car. Mm-hmm. And nobody can argue that can't do what my car can because trust me, they can now, which is nuts. It does sports car things. As a matter of fact. It does supercar things. It does. I'm glad you brought that up because we looked at the stats and stats aren't everything, but they sure. are a benchmark way of understanding and how to digest the information about what the thing can do. If you don't have the ability to drive it, it's a way for us to understand it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like babies putting stuff in their mouths. That's how they relate to things. <laughs> this is how car people do it. That's right. We look at the stats. We don't put it in our mouth. We look at <laughs> right. the stats. That Mercedes GLE 63S mm-hmm. has similar 0 to 60 times as a Lexus LFA. How embarrassing mm. must Lexus LFA owners feel? <laughs> How embarrassed must they feel? Not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because look at the thing and look at, you know, well, hear how it sounds and what it can do as far as corners, although Mercedes can corner really well, too. That's the thing. Absolutely. It Be- can hang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. what's so amazing. But I want to get back here to a point about learning from each other, loving that we all love cars. Mm-hmm. My headspace has changed, Mark. Sports car, the definition, I think is now the car we all want and can't allow ourselves to own at any age. When you're young, it's, oh, you're too young for that. They're expensive to insure and you can't handle one. You're too inexperienced. A sports car. I never. When you get to midlife, oh, you're midlife. You're just going through a phase. Mm Mm-hmm. You're like two-week-old bread. You're, you're like old, but you're still edible. <laughs> you must be just wasting money. You're going through this phase, and you're throwing caution in the wind. You're buying a sports car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you get old, you're too old to drive kid stuff. You can't have that. That's Here, interesting. Have a Camry. I see where you're going. Have it's a the, pickup truck. It's, it's the oddball car you're not supposed to own. That's what a sports car is. That's an interesting definition. I yeah. like that a lot. I hadn't gone there because you're right there. It's always there. To your point, back to the crazy SUVs as well. If you are a man at the age of 50 mm-hmm. and you go buy a red 911 or for the same <laughs> yes. money, you go buy the AMG GLS 63S, which is about the same money as a nice 911. Yeah. And yeah. you buy it in gray. <laughs> yes, yes. You could terrify more people with the capability of the Mercedes. It's astounding. And yet people are going to be, if they see the red 911, they're going to be like, oh, midlife crisis. Are you and the wife doing okay? Yeah. How, how are you guys doing? Are you guys doing all right? But if you pull in in this, oh, that, this is, that's an interesting point. That's kind of a crazy what a point. sensible kind of person you are. You bought the SUV in gray. You just seem sensible. Did I mention <laughs> it has the least 600 horsepower, 650 pound-feet of torque? Bring out brake a McLaren? Bring everybody. I will beat them all. This is, that's an interesting twist. I hadn't thought about it in terms of the car you're not supposed to have. That is what a sports car is. It's the that's, car, whatever we really want, and we shouldn't. It's like food. Man, does that taste good. It causes heart disease and it makes you fat and it's too much <laughs> sugar and spit it out because it tastes good. Mm-hmm. That's what a sports car is. That's interesting. That's At interesting. any age. Yeah. Too young, midlife, too old. Well, because... Doesn't matter. Because all of these definitions at some point meet their match and fall apart. Because back to where we started with weight and drive wheels and purpose built. Yes, yes. The current GTR. The R35. (laughs) Purpose built. Purpose built to be a world beater. 
Indeed. Mark has said here, all-wheel drive's okay. This is yep. purpose-built, all-wheel drive, two plus two. It is theoretically checking all the boxes. I would not define the GTR as a sports car. Because of weight? Because of because it's massive. Because it, it's it isn't about driver involvement. It is mind-blowing. It will <laughs> The things it can do and the numbers it produces are mind-blowing. They make no sense. Yes. You're like, how did this do this thing? <laughs> Meanwhile, if you get into a Miata, which is about as close as the modern time has to the classic, not official, classic definition of a sports car, small, lightweight, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, convertible. That right. was the original core. But honestly, you will never see a Miata and a GTR go up against any benchmarking ever thing. But then <laughs> no. back to your point... Who is the person you know who really shouldn't get a GTR and they really want one? That is a sports car for that. That's a, I really like that definition. Or None you shouldn't should get a Miata. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be driving that. You're too old. You're too young. That's Your needs are different than a Miata. That's fascinating. I really like that. I, you have surprised <laughs> me, and I, I may embrace that as well. We need, how do we pull that off on a shirt? I'm, I'm thinking about it. Because that's pretty great. Mark, I... Again, I want to thank you for changing my headspace because I went digging. And again, the point is not to bash each other over the head. Mm -hmm. I just genuinely wanted to know. Your front-wheel drive comment really intrigued me. I thought, okay, what about the Mini, the Mm. original Mini? Mm. A little bit of history reveals that the designer, Alec Isagonis, was tasked with building a small fuel-efficient car to carry four people, four adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As it turns out, the way he designed the car, it turned into a performance car because all the innovations like turning the engine sideways, pushing the wheels out to the corners of the car, Mm -hmm. and the weight over the front tires, which made for good balance and good grip, it was a nimble handling front-wheel drive car. And then the guy who was pretty much the British Carroll Shelby named John Cooper got a hold of it and did more things with it and went rally racing and it surprised (laughs) everybody. And, well, suddenly here's a front-wheel drive little sports but that's not a sports car. That's a little people move. But just sports car things. But wait, it's fun to drive. <laughs> My brain hurts. I shouldn't like it. Why, why do I like it? Okay. I was intrigued by that. So there's some gray area there. Uh, I think you'll give me a few points. Big and time. then I'll give you a few points. Big time. There's some back and forth. But this, the list is short. As you said, if we're just for only sports cars on that platform, the list is super short. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it isn't about that anymore because I think about future platforms. Okay. And if I were a company CEO, I would nix sports cars altogether. Yeah, this is the discussion going on behind the scenes. It doesn't make sense. They don't sell, not in any meaningful numbers, to make the company money. I would axe every sports car. The, those dedicated platforms, let's run through them real quick. Mustang and Camaro and Corvette. Yeah. They don't typically make their own expenditures back. I hate to say this. They're halo cars. They are cars that we want. The the current Supra? The current Supra is not making money for Toyota. No. It's not. I don't know how much the 86 is made. Maybe some. But, but, I, but I also don't think that the, not, GTR, not the GTR is not making money for Nissan. No. It's never been a big seller. No. These dedicated platforms made for fun. You're right. If you're just doing where's the red ink on the ledger, we have to kill it, the sports cars are all gone. They're all gone. By the way, I also did a tiny bit of digging that was horrifying to me because I thought of Nissan. I thought of the GTR. And I thought, okay. what, yeah. what platform is that built on? Well, it's, a, it's the FM platform. And 
As it turns out, the 350Z, the 370Z, and the QX70, which is that big, heavy FX shoe-looking thing, <laughs> the Q40, the Stagia Wagon, and the Q70 sedan are all built on that same stupid platform, <laughs> which means the Nissan 350Z isn't a sports car. Interesting point. What? By, the 370Z the isn't a sports car. That's interesting, by the platform edition. But yeah, they I are. They're point. sports cars. They're totally sports cars. But the platform is shared across too many things for it to qualify. <laughs> well, but then you have That's Volkswagen impressive. on the other end of the spectrum who only makes one platform. The MQB thing is everything from the Polo to the <laughs> big Atlas, the seven-seat Atlas. And the, and the Polo share bones, by the way. That shouldn't work. This is my next point. This is cost savings. A little bit of digging reveals that the future Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche platforms will be ruled by four. The MEB, the MQB, the MLB Evo, and the J1 platform, which is okay. essentially the Taycan, the Taycan Sport Turismo, and the forthcoming e-tron GT. Okay. It's just not cost effective to do one car for one platform. So as auto mm-hmm. executives, that gets axed. It's it has horrifying. to share a it's, platform. This is why we tell everybody, if there, somebody makes a low-volume sports car, like a Supra, like an 86, I'm sorry to go to Toyota first, but the, the, but they've done it in the last they've decade. They've decided it. to introduce them. The Mustangs, the Camaros, these kind yeah. of things. If we, the buying public, don't buy them new, I'm a guy that buys used cars. I have done very well buying really nice used cars yeah. I could not afford new. Sure. However, someone has to buy them new yes. for them to be out there used. They're not moneymakers. Nope. I look at that. I look at the balance sheet, and I would think, well, no wonder Toyota hasn't had product offerings for sporting enthusiasts for well over a decade. No wonder they mm. Camrys and RAV4s just make money. Yes. Yes to those cars. Well, think about it this way. Honestly, the RAV4 makes almost 100 times more sales than the 86. It makes almost 500,000 sales over the course of the calendar year. And I think, if I'm not wrong, I think the Super sold five or 6,000 units in its first year. I, I don't have it in front of me. I, I'm sure my number's a little off. But, it's illustrative. Of, but it's, it's a, sure. almost 100 times more successful to sell RAV4s. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I would pick the Super every single time. I'm pretty sure the RAV4 isn't a sports car. I'm, I don't know I, I how feel, we're going to define confident. it anymore, but I'm I feel confident sure. that the RAV4 does not qualify. Because you're not going to, to your point earlier, you're not going to buy a RAV4 and the neighbor's going to be like, you shouldn't have that car. They're going to be like, oh, you bought an SUV. <laughs> exactly. Good for you. It has 811 pound feet of torque. It can outdrag everything. Hellcats in everything. <laughs> and we're done. So, Mark, ultimately, what you've gotten me doing is thinking about future platforms mm-hmm. because we've determined that. Any future sports car that we like Mm. and will gravitate towards and thank the automaker for building it will have to be on some shared platform for it to even exist. Mm. I just got sort of bummed. It's almost (laughs) irrelevant for us to define what a sports car is anymore because who cares? (laughs) What about the future sports cars? And I got myself into this kind of hole of thinking going, well, shoot. What about electric sports cars? Are those going to be fun? Well, they're going to be on some shared platform with some stupid SUV. No, they are, yeah. Well, darn it. Are we going to have anything fun? So therefore, that's why I come back to my thinking that even though I could say sports cars are defined by dynamics and have the performance dynamics and Mm -hmm. the capability for fast, pleasurable performance driving, regardless of the weight, regardless of the roof, it has to mean your humble little econobox driven spiritedly can be your sports car yeah the end okay 
All right. Because if that's what the car you have right now, you can't afford anything else. This is where you're at in life and you still have fun with it and it's yours. Yeah. That's your little sports car. Okay. I will give that to you. One thing you can never have enough of is car stuff. And that's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at $45 a year, you'll get six issues of their award-winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos. And you'll get access to members-only live streams on topics like car values, automotive history, and do-it-yourself tutorials. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts, including a deal of the week, which is always an incredible deal and lasts only a couple of days. If you love cars half as much as we do, this is the club for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash Everyday Driver. Speaking of sports cars, Lotus has some news this week that I am mixed about. Oh, I guess I haven't asked your opinion on this yet. No, Lotus is in an interesting spot because they have been <laughs> interesting. They, they, a word they always can, have. I like using the word interesting because it can be it can be a flurry of things. But 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 they have when always shows had, a picture of their ugly baby. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. It it's an interesting very, face they're making. It can go very badly but for you. Lamborghini was in this spot before Volkswagen bought them, and that was Lamborghini limped along with a great enthusiast reputation, even though their cars weren't all that reliable. Just enthusiasts, everybody lusted after them, and they couldn't ever have a backer that had enough money to make them stable, and then they got absorbed with Volkswagen. <laughs> then YouTube happened. Yeah, exactly, and now they're YouTuber cars. No, but Geely bought Volvo. Yeah. And essentially gave Volvo a bunch of money to do the best Volvos they can, and that is working. True. Geely now owns Lotus. Indeed. And they are headed down the same road. Now you have the Avaya, the 2,000 horsepower electric supercar hypercar, which honestly- Is it a sports car though? Different thing. Honestly, that is just a look at us car. That is a rolling billboard car because you know they're all going to be bought and put in collections and never driven- I find it to be luscious, though. I really like it. Looks like great, it looks but great, but what it is more than anything is a look-at-us-again car. True. It is a car to True. make everybody notice Lotus, which I am all about. Sure, sure, okay? sure. How about but the rest of us, though? They right? have just announced that they are, in, in the next year, they are not going to sell the Exige Elise or Evora anymore. Now, the only one of those three even sold here is the Evora, but they've, right. been, they've been continually refining the Elise and the Exige and selling them overseas, and I have loved the refined versions that they've made. I've driven many of them. I am in love with them even more than my current Elise, but they're not coming here unless you buy a track car. Yeah, okay? right. But those, the Elise <clears throat> came out in the 90s. That's right, it did. It came out in the 90s. Nine, mm-hmm. It's been around a long time now. It's awesome. I love mine. But it's been around a long time. The Evora has been around for, well, about 15 years at this point. Yeah. Nice classic sports car you got there. Yeah, seriously. The early ones are like 20, I guess it's 10 years. The early ones are 2009, 2010s, I guess. Okay, but still. Wow. A long time for both of those. Wow, time So flies. those Jeez. are dying, and Lotus has announced the Type 131, which nobody knows what that is yet, but apparently it is the first of an all-new lineup of Lotai, which I'm very intrigued by. We'll see where that goes. I'm intrigued to see Lotus with a real financial backer that lets them do what they do well. Mm-hmm. This also makes me think about the fact that I love my car, mm-hmm. and we have a shirt coming in a couple of weeks. <laughs> That is very cool. This is a random series of events, but I love it. Somebody that does art for Blipshift saw one of my postings of my car and got inspired. This is and so cool. And they made an amazing 
Blipshift style graphic image of my car in rear three quarter, and we're selling a shirt that's going to say "Add Brightness." So cool! It's man. coming up in a couple of weeks. It'll be available on our Blipshift store. You can go to the store tab. From there, you can jump to either either Blipshift or Amazon. Amazon has the jackets, the films, my novel. That's at Amazon. Soon to be Blipshift. hats as well. Yes, you're right. Blipshift has many many T-shirts and all kinds of other fun. So that's happening. I'm just excited about Add Brightness. It just makes me laugh. I was thinking you could have done something around school bus, like taxi or school bus around that. It kind of yes. been, it could be could have been it fun. Could have been other things, but add brightness is the shirt I'm going to wear a lot. I'm going to buy multiple while they're available. I love it. You can be like Jay Leno. You know, he owns like 50 denim shirts. <laughs> All of my shirts have a lotus on them. <laughs> then I'll sell my lotus and be very confused. Yeah. Well, Joseph L. in South Carolina wrote to us because he needs a dog car. He's first time writer, avid listener, consumer of the content. Joseph, thank you so much for writing. He discovered us back in late 2019, started with podcast number one. He's almost wow. caught up. We've, uh, we've, we've done Amazing. a lot, and we've uh, hopefully gotten a little bit better since one. I don't know if you've listened to one recently, but it's, it's different. It's, not, it, it's interesting. <laughs> I'll go with that. It's Yikes. interesting compared to where we are now. Yikes. Moving on. Well, Joe started as a JDM guy. Over the years, he's owned several Nissans, notably a Z31 300ZX, long hood on that thing, G35 and a 350Z, all manuals. Seven years ago, he became a Euro guy. Okay. He bought a year 2000 BMW E39 M5. That's that's going right for the top there. That's great. Scrumptious. He doesn't know if we've driven yet, but man, he said it really lives up to the hype all around it. He could go on for hours how amazing it is, but just go drive one. <laughs> He's heavily modified his as well. He said it's a riot. He recently won a Cars and Bids auction okay. to buy a 2002 986 Boxster S six-speed. He and his wife love it so far. She may be more than he. He actually taught her to drive stick in his friend's second-generation NB Miata. He said it meant, went much better than he expected. It's good. <laughs> good news. She says the clutch in the 986 is perfect for her. It's got an exhaust and suspension already, but it's going to need an aftermarket seat to fit him. He's six feet and 250 pounds, he says, but otherwise it's a joy. But his wife is in love with it. That's what I'm I really like about this story. That's really, that. really fun. Yeah. The daily workhorse, third car, is a 2008 Volvo S60 2.5T. He says, tragically an automatic. It's also <laughs> an auction car. And finally, the dilemma car, a 2007 BMW X3 3.0 SI. He's also asking us why we like the X1 so much, but that's a whole other conversation. Well, but I think it's because he has an 07 X3, which is back when they still had hydraulic steering, and the X1 held on to hydraulic steering longer than most. But if you drive an X1 now, the hydraulic steering is gone. It's gone, yes. When it had it, it was worthwhile. Indeed. When it went away, it became another CUV box thing. Indeed. Not a sports car. We know that. For now, sure. Not a sports car. That much we're clear on, yeah. Now, here's the dilemma. This is not the usual debate. But he's hoping we can help nonetheless. Their X3 is lowered for the sake of their dog. An eight-year-old, 150-pound St. Bernard named Bear, apropos. Mm -hmm. I read that St. Bernard's shed seasonally, but they shed a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Your food bills must be. 150-pound dog. My dogs are 50 pounds. That's three times the size of my dogs. It's insane. Yeah. Bear, unfortunately, suffered from suffers from serious joint issues and has difficulty moving about, he says, so they lowered the X3 to make it easier on him and us. I says. want to stop right there for a second. Okay. We didn't lower our car for performance. <laughs> we didn't lower our car because we like the look. We lowered our car to help the dog get into the car. 
That's valid. That is a it's co- valid. totally valid. I'm just saying this is in nearly 600 podcasts a first, and I'm also going to wager it may be a first for any of you listening that have gone to a Cars and Coffee and seen a lowered vehicle. I bet none of them lowered it for this reason. No, they probably not St. Bernard owners. Now his wife works from home permanently now he says so the x3 only gets used to take bear to the vet or to the groomer for occasionally recycling runs and really nothing else okay so the x3 is no longer low enough for him mm-hmm. they need a car with equivalent space but a lower ride height okay i mean you could put bags on the x3 and really like like sit that thing on the ground <laughs> just hard hard park it bring it back up you could do that you're right yeah and of course, everybody's thinking of a ramp right now. Hopefully you have, you can just get a long board like a two by 12 or an aluminum ramp or something to help bear get up in there. Unknown as far as bear's ability to go up a ramp and mm-hmm. he would do it or need coaxing. That's a little bit unknown, but I would think a ramp. I've, I've seen dog accessories that are ramps to help them get up on the couch. Well, and uh, this exists my, as a product. I, 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 have, two, I have two dogs. Yes. The older one, Sierra, is uh, is almost 15. She's an old dog. She's an old yeah. dog. Yeah. She does not hear at all. You can stand right behind her head and speak to her, and she has no idea you're there. Poor dog. She can see. She cannot hear. Uh, meanwhile, Wasatch, which is my son's dog, uh, he is about three, and he acts like he's about six months. He has so much energy. It is insane. So my, my favorite thing is to watch the young dog fight with the old dog because they will wrestle like puppies, yeah, except one of them yeah. is 15. So I, I get the old dog thing. I, I come back. To, I want to stop here real quick, and I do want to say they make really good dog ramps, and you can get really long dog ramps that can <laughs> extend out. So I, I – I want to think about a dog ramp first. I absolutely think because you like the X3 – and it's a known commodity. Okay. And, and I'm going to answer your question further and go other places, but I really think if that really is its only usage and it's paid off and you like it and you know it, get a long dog ramp. Because if you get it long enough, Bear's moving slowly, but he gets up it. Will the ramp fit in the car? And when you need to go to the groomer or the vet, you have to get the dog out. Mm-hmm. And then getting him back up in the car. I mean, I'm guessing you don't take Bear for walks or no exercise well, or no dog park or I don't anything. think he's not doing much if his joint issues are serious. He's just yeah. not doing much. Being a 150-pound, 8-year-old St. Bernard, I mean, that's, that's an old St. Bernard. That, yeah, it is. Well, <clears throat> his wife, Joe's wife, pointed out that the Honda Element, when was the last time you saw an Element, mm-hmm. has a removable back seat, leaving a large flat surface where Bear could lay on his bed or some towels. Joe's also been looking at the last-generation Golf Sport Wagon. It meets all their needs, except they're not quite sure how big the back seats are or if they can fold flat so he can sit in the rear cargo area. Okay. There's also the Mazda 3 hatch, small back seating area. It's not a wagon. Other than those cars, he doesn't know what to look for. It's got to have enough space for this mammoth dog. Yeah. It can't be a towering SUV. It's not going to get driven very often. And as for the fun factor, Joe really wants a manual. It's okay if that's not possible because ultimately it's for the dog. It's mm-hmm. a dog car. Mm-hmm. Yep. It doesn't need to be a speed machine because I'm sure Bear doesn't appreciate that when you corner him. Not necessary, that. yeah. He's got that covered already, of course, but he wants it to drive at least kind of nice. And he says bonus points if there's an aftermarket spring kit on the market to make it even lower. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> it's a low rider dog podcast. And finally, the budget. 
limited to $20,000. Even though they're going to sell the X3, they still have the other three cars. The Volvo will get replaced at some point with something fun. Next car debate? Absolutely. And of course, the Boxer and the M5 are staying for now. Can't have a huge car payment when they're in paying insurance. And property tax on four cars annually. Wow. Okay. All right. I have many thoughts here. Starting up with a beat-up minivan. Those have pretty low floors. How about a cheap beat-up minivan? Excellent point. Low floors and tons of space. Tons of space back there. Get a really beat-down one because you said you don't really care that it drives nice. Mm -hmm. It just needs to primarily have a low floor for bear. Mm -hmm. And... You got to, you know, ramp at the house. Maybe you build something out of plywood so you can back that thing up <laughs> and well, but, Bear can get in. But you've also got, you know, the minivan's a, a great car. I, I hadn't gone there, but you've also got the massive side doors. So you've got lots yes. of options for in and out. You could pull the seats out. I mean, those doors are handy. What's bizarre? You're right. What's bizarre about minivans is they've been around long enough that you can go shopping with $1,000 and buy a minivan. And it's, and here's the thing. It's probably a minivan, at least here in Utah we've seen them this way. It's probably a minivan that has been owned and loved and overdriven by some family that put 200,000 miles on it and kept it running for the last 15 years, and then they went, ah, all the kids are gone. Right. And they sold it. It's not $1,000 because it got driven off a cliff and then repaired. It's just been driven <laughs> until it has no value yeah. left. Yes. Yeah. Cheap minivan. A thousand to five thousand dollars for a cheapo mm-hmm. beat up minivan. Again, back to the shedding thing. Mm. It's going to get coated for sure. It will be a shagging wagging. <laughs> shag it's the shaggy wagon. Shaggy. It's the shaggy wagon. Yes, got it. Excellent. <laughs> well inside, done. I'm just yes. saying. But if that's not appealing, there is the Toyota CHR, the Mazda CX30, and the CX5. There's the Hyundai Kona. The Kira Kia Nero, the Kia Seltos, and the Kia Soul. Remember yeah. my Soul kick for a while. You were on a kick for a while with the Soul. Yeah, I I wonder if any of those are small are are big enough inside or low enough in general. You'll have to fold the seats down, of course. Yes, of course. But you can leave the seats folded down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But the car I do think you should buy, it's a Honda. It's the Fit. Whoa. The Honda Fit for the win because full hatch, low floor, fold the seats down. Bear can fit back there. It's not like he needs to turn around a bunch of times. He can just get in. It's going to be roughly the size of Bear's dog crate, but he will get places. But he can get places. They're cheap. They're manual. They're fun to drive when Bear's not in it. You've done a good job with actually getting the rest of the boxes checked. I'm laughing. $20,000. I'm laughing at the image (laughs) of Bear, the enormous St. Bernard in the back of a Honda Fit, and I kind of just want to see that just for the photo. Yes. So, Joe, if it's possible, just do it just for the photo. No, but but I fit. What I like about what you're saying, though, is you have solved the other issues, which is something manual and fun to drive. Yes. You may have landed on the only spot with the Fit. I'm just I'm, saying, I'm quite Joe, impressed with that. You can probably get one between eight and twelve thousand dollars. You can get a nice one between eight and twelve. You'll maybe you could put some racing graphics on it and turn it into a race car, and that can be like Bear's race car or something. <laughs> I don't know. Take him to the vet. The Bear livery. I like it. It's good. <laughs> Joe, I I love dogs. I love both the dogs we have. Uh, our older dog Sierra, she's getting on in years, and that it kind of breaks my heart a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you know, she has her good days and her bad days. We've reached that place, and this is the problem with dogs, is they do reach that place much sooner than we want them to, and I get that. I still am questioning a little bit buying the car for the dog. 
I am really wonder, and, <laughs> sure. and I and I say this as a huge dog lover. I yes. I do wonder about the accessories that make the dog able to work with the car versus buying an entire car to fit the dog because dedicated the, to because the, dog. the thing I'm concerned about with Bear is the fact that he is going to keep getting worse. His his joints are going to keep yeah. getting worse. Yeah. So at some point, every car is going to be too high, and I think you're going to be resorted to ramps. So that yeah. would make me wonder about the ramp idea and if that's possible. I mean, I, my, my older dog right now, what she can do is she can walk her to the back of the Cayenne and she can just barely jump up and put her back paws on the back bumper. And the rest is up to me. Now, she's mm-hmm. 50 pounds, so I've got a different situation than you do. But the rest is up to me. I've got to grab her back legs and kind of hoist her up. Meanwhile, Wasatch, the young one, he's like half a car length away from the car and I pat crack the back and he's like launched past me as this white blur and lands in the car like where are we going you know because he's three okay so that thing is a porpoise dog he is crazy you you've named him the land porpoise because when you and i go mountain biking we're riding along on the trail and he's off the trail somewhere you don't know where he is and when you call his name his head pops up above the brush and then drops again it's like he's a porpoise in the waves like there he is himself above the brush it's crazy. It's like, oh, there's the dog. And Got he's gone again. So I, I do wonder about the ramp or the, the accessories that make this possible, and, and that may allow you to keep, even keep your X3. Mm-hmm. So I really hope you've yes. explored that. I like your minivan idea. The fit is a surprising one, but I have one as well. Okay, good. I can't speak to fun factor, but usability factor, it's hard to beat. Okay. Get yourself a Subaru Outback. Okay. Yeah. Low lo- load floor. I mean, that'll work. You'll drop the seats in that. It has enormous cavernous back well what about a cross track so you can get it uh you know super underpowered manual transmission yes but see the cross track i'm worried about size again the thing about yeah. the outback is the outback is going to have tons of space for bear it will bear it's not like it's not space. fun to drive it's not fun to drive but they are reliable there's they're they're a scourge there's so many of them do me one favor joe just don't get one in white Get the green 96 there's, and there's old so, 96. There's so many white ones out there. Just don't get white. But That's the a race car. Outback has got a really, it's got a really low load floor in the back, seats that fold flat, tons of space. If you yeah, want to stay true. kind of more wagony and more car-sized and car height, I actually think it's a better choice than the sport wagon would have been as far as your your usage, even though the sport wagon would, have be, would be more fun. The fit might be something. It's kind of funny to think I about, want, isn't it? Here's, here's, here's what I want. Here's what I want. <laughs> you want the image. I want the Honda Fit, but you take out the passenger seat completely. Oh, even better. So Bear's just got room to roam. From the back left corner oh. all the way to the passenger side, he can just move. He can just, That's where does Bear want to be while you drive your manual? Could you take all the seats out of the Fit? Like just down to the carpet, down Every, to the everything floor. Everything but the driver's seat. It's just here we are. Yep. That's interesting. It's like a race car, Joe, like a it's race, a car race prepped car. It's race prep thinking. <laughs> Just for the dog. And then here's, here's what you do. You then go autocross it. Ooh. And everybody thinks you're super hardcore because you showed up at a car with one seat. No, no. Took him out from a dog. That's uh, from a dog. Jump into questions on social media. Thomas D is asking about an electric beater car. I just love electric beater car. <laughs> Thomas yeah. is thinking about yeah, buying yeah. an electric beater car. Yep. I, I love it. that image. I see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's they, got they've gotten 000. down there now. Yeah, yeah seven or eight thousand dollars to spend. He's offered up the Fiat five hundred e, the Volkswagen E Golf, the first gen Leaf, or double his budget for an i three. I don't even know. If you've got to double the budget for an i three. You'd be more like probably twelve to fourteen 12. to get an early one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of those choices, I'm going full on Fiat five hundred e, just because they're so quirky and yeah. weird looking and yeah. 
just do that. The e golf is the e golf is is a real contender as far as working well and that kind of stuff. The, the range isn't great on a lot of these early ones. I would not get an early leaf because you don't get much more range. You do the rest of these, and now it's ugly. I mean, let's be honest. It's not like the others are pretty, but but they're at, but they at least have some personality and they're interesting and they look like variations on normal cars. The Leaf True. is just unattractive, and it was entirely the crazy headlights were entirely about airflow. Those crazy headlights were about creating a pocket of air that missed the mirrors. Yeah, I forgot about that. They, they created these really weird yeah. bulbous headlights because in the wind tunnel, they can create a channel of air that skips the mirrors, which gives them gas mileage. Or in this case, sorry, electric range. So, And probably cut down on wind noise, too, because let's be honest, the problem with even the, the first-gen Volt had this issue because sometimes the wind noise is really bad because you couldn't hear much of the car, and so you heard the wind going around the mirrors. So the, yeah, so the right. Leaf solved that. But it doesn't have great range. It's only got 100 miles worth Watch of range. Why is there a deer whistle in my car? Exactly. 100 miles worth of range, but the e-Golf and the Fiat uh, the Fiat um, E as well, those those actually are worthwhile. I, I do like those. I love the 500E. Turn it into like a, a little, a Bart, put a Bart parts on that thing so it's disguised. You don't really know what it is. A Bart with an E at the end of the word. A Bart, a Bart. A Bart. A What is that? <laughs> what are you doing? There were two questions, actually, Petrolhead, Petrolhead 2003 and also uh, Need Coffee. I Need Coffee 6 both asked me about the future of Lotus. I actually think that there's real potential here. I mentioned it earlier. I think that there's real potential. And, yes, Petrolhead, I would still like to have an Evora, but we'll see. One thing at a time, still enjoying the Elise right now. So I posted some photos of the Caymans sitting up on some tire cradles. Proving once again that your garage <clears throat> is what garages should look like and my garage is no, you notice I don't hey. post pictures in my garage. I just like that noted. I'm. Yeah. It's it's not commentary. It's just here's how she sits. Here's, here's how, how you make is. things nice. I get it. Yep. Well, Alan S. on Facebook is asking our thoughts on full-blown ceramic coatings. Alan recently received a bottle of ceramic he's going to attempt to apply in his wife's Jeep Grand Cherokee after having a good result from <clears throat> other guys. He says, Paul, by the way, received the first few bottles of Griot's products for trial. I'm glad you did. Let me know what you think of them. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, what I've heard about the ceramic coatings is don't waste your money because the ceramic coating wears off eventually anyway. Everybody thinks of the ceramic coating as once I'm done, we're good for the rest of time. <laughs> That's not true. Fair. It fair, does fair. wear off and needs to be reapplied at some point, mm -hmm, and it mm -hmm. doesn't wear off evenly either. Mm -hmm, Whereas mm -hmm. if you just use a low investment with Griot's products – They've got a lot of new products. It's called the Ceramic Family. <laughs> it is the Ceramic Family. Yes, they keep having kids too, yeah. <laughs> they do. They've got the three-in-one rocks. They've got a whole bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, I would test that out. I would apply that first before you go for the full-blown ceramic coating because your investment, again, will be far less. You'll get better results. Mm. I think that's the better way to go personally. And I also will say on the Griot ceramic products, they have done really good how-tos on all these products. I have heard in some cases, like the three-in-one ceramic that I used, mm -hmm. I used it on the Lotus, and I used it really sparingly, and it worked great. Yeah. I used it on the Cayenne. I used a lot. It didn't look good anymore. And, and, and small we've nonsense. heard before that there have been some streaking issues with the three-in-one product, and Griot's commentary in most cases is people are using as much of it as they would have of other products, and it's creating too much in streaking. I'm not saying this because clearly – I'm not the detail guy of the two of us, and Paul's the one posting good pictures of his car. But my point is here, watch the how-tos on the Griots thing and figure out how they recommend you use it because you'll get better results. Alip8 asked on about road trips. He said he's thinking about heading from Denver 
to the Utah area here to do some fun mountain driving this summer. He oh, wants yeah. To find some really fun roads. What are our recommendations for favorite driving roads you shouldn't miss? Well, we just did the Million Dollar Highway, which is in western Colorado. That's way up there. There's a lot of great ones in Utah. I'm having an idea. Mm. I haven't even shared this with you yet, Paul. So oh. guess what? Surprise. <laughs> we, because of the nature of what's going on in the world and the difficulty of travel. Can I just say it that way? Fair enough. Travel's difficult. Yep. I don't know if we're going to be able to do our pilgrimage trip. We're going to try for it. We'll see. We're, it would we're be a, 50, it would be a right fall now. of 2020. Uh, pardon, pardon me, fall of 2021. But I don't know if it's going to be possible. What I'm really hoping we are going to pull off, though, is a really good Utah meetup late I agree. in the summer. I agree. And what I'd like to do is a Utah meetup that looks kind of more like the pilgrimage, not tracks necessarily, but maybe like an overnight road trip. Where we do a circuit of some of our favorite roads that we've driven of late. We connect them up with some hotels. I'm literally thinking about this out loud right now and sharing it with you and Paul. And Paul's looking at me and going, thanks for the warning. But but seriously, <laughs> I think it'd be cool to kind of link some of those up and take you guys on some of these roads together and have some just fun doing a Utah meetup that way. I love the idea. And of course, it depends on what we can pull off. Yes. It depends on the scale. It mm-hmm. depends on a lot of things. But I love the idea. I love sharing locally. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of you listening on the East Coast have said you've wanted to make a trip out West. Come on out. Mm -hmm. This is brand new information, by the way. (laughs) We are just, we have no plans. We're just literally, this is like, shoot it at the wall and we'll see if it sticks. Yeah. To answer the question, though, there is Highway 145 from Telluride to Natchirita. And don't Mm. forget Highway 141 from Natchirita all the way up to Grand Junction. That goes through Gateway, one Mm -hmm. of our favorite places. That's where the Cheap Sports Car Challenge episode number three was shot, a TV episode. You've got to check this road out. It's very cool. It's astounding. Every corner you're going, well, this got better. How, How is that possible? Well, the next corner is better than the last. The last turn was junk. <laughs> this view is better. <laughs> I guarantee you're going to say That's that. good. 11 p.m. on Instagram said he's stolen a question from car and driver and is throwing it at us. If you had the last gallon of gas on earth, oh. what are you putting it in mm. and where are you driving? <laughs> uh, Assuming, <laughs> let's be honest, if I had the last gallon, it's also Mad Max, which is a little terrifying, but if yeah. I had the last gallon of gas on earth, that means there's not any other cars on the road. Good point. So I'm going Million Dollar Highway. Well, you'll only get 25 miles towards Million Dollar Highway because your car gets about 25 miles a gallon, right? I would take a, as modern an Elise as I could get. <laughs> Fair enough. I <laughs> might get most of the way down that road. I'll be walking at some point. Might get okay, most of the way so down you're that starting road. in your way then. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I thought you were starting in Utah. And no, I wouldn't, to get there I, I wouldn't get might, out of Salt Lake. You wouldn't yeah. get past the gas station that doesn't have any more gas. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm assuming I'm okay. assuming that in this question, you're actually enough. starting on the road you want okay, to be on. Okay, gotcha. I might actually get that road done. Yeah, true. That sounds awesome. I That's a good one. I love it. The original LB Car says, hey, Paul, do you ever mod your cars at all? But what other maintenance do I do while it rests for winter other than a trickle charge, as you saw, or does it just sit? It's very curious as, you know, I'm particular with my cars. I know that German cars require more upkeep to maintain reliability. I consider the Cayman a very new car. It's a 2015, mm-hmm. but I still mm-hmm. consider it pretty new. Yeah, for sure. I haven't done a whole lot of maintenance, to be honest, other than oil changes. It, it's not to the mileage where I feel like I'm, I'll over-maintain them. And spend and waste my money if I do, mm-hmm. is my feeling. The car runs perfectly. It still has the original battery. Up to this point, I've changed the things that have worn out. Mm-hmm. Brake pads, rotors, tires. Mm-hmm. That comes from all the driving that you and I do, all the track yeah. days we've yeah, done. Yeah. That stuff, of course, is worn out. That gets replaced. 
But otherwise, I change the oil. I'm on top of that kind of stuff. I'm always looking and thinking and looking through the owner's manual. All right, do I, am I here yet? I'll give you an example. I asked my mechanic, do I need to change the transmission oil in the PDK yet? Mm-hmm. said, it's been five years. And he says, how much mile? You know, what's the mileage? So I'm just over 27,000, I think, at this point. Really? Okay. It said, Porsche says, change that at 40,000 miles. And he mm-hmm. says, you know what? The filter is really expensive. It's like 800 bucks, and you're going to be wasting your money if you do it right now. Go drive your car. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, go drive my car. Mm-hmm. Just drive it. Maintain it. Take care yeah. of it, but drive that thing. Speaking of the PDK that you have in your car, Cutler Colin said that he just turned out a 2015 Boxster with a PDK. He'd never driven this transmission. It was Wonderful. his first experience. And he's in love with it. He couldn't believe how great Porsche's <laughs> so dual-clutch tran- transmission, the PDK, yes. actually was. And he didn't understand how we feel. It's, anybody could say it's less engaging than a manual because you are constantly involved telling the transmission what to do. He wasn't expecting to like it so much. He he kind of won't be quiet about it. It sounds like he's like, I, I can't thrilled. believe it. Yes. He's asking awesome. why the PDK transmission is is disregarded as an enthusiast transmission. I think I should tackle this because okay. Paul has <clears throat> many heated things to say here. So I'm going to I'm going to ease my way into this cold water real quick here <laughs> okay. color. Um the PDK is phenomenal full stop. Yes. Everybody else that yes. creates a dual clutch transmission is chasing the feel of the PDK. Our last episode of this season 8 was just delivered today in fact is the C8 Versus the Cayman. Mm-hmm. And in that, we have GM's first dual-clutch transmission versus 10 years' worth of Porsche doing a PDK. Yeah. They are the gold standard. I don't care who you bring to the party. Porsche is the one everybody is chasing. It is that good. I agree. I agree. It is almost tapped into your brain to know what you need if you don't touch a paddle. Mm-hmm. But then if you use the paddles, it's still great. All of that said... There is a, how to put this calmly, there is a consensus <laughs> on the internet of car culture that if it doesn't have a manual transmission, it must be awful. Right. That isn't true. There are plenty of cars without manual transmissions that are actually great. Now, having said all of that, I like the full body engagement that is involved by having a manual transmission. And I love the Z4. For all of its fault, uh, faults of not having good steering wheel, because it has none, has got such a pleasing engine to wind out, and a decent gearbox is easy to shift, and I just find that car endearing as a result, in spite of its problems. Your SLK, not a sports car. I know we're back to sports car <laughs> definition. Not, not that's really. news to me. I know, but... But I can tell you why it's not dedicated platform. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, no, because well, it shares the same C-class sedan platform from the early '90s. It's not a sports there car. There you go. But that manual transmission in that makes it very engaging. There is a level of engagement that is required by the driver in a manual transmission that is still more involving. Because think about all the limbs involved. Still more involving than even the best dual clutch. And because of that. There is a segment of car culture that has just thrown out all dual clutches as terrible to drive. They aren't terrible to drive. They're just not as involving as a full manual. For the record, as much as I love PDK and as much as I love my car, my next Cayman will be a manual transmission. I love the engagement as well. Everybody does. But also for the record, for everybody that says the C8 Corvette needs a manual, I I stopped watching because it needs a manual. 
imagine a shift lever in the place where the transmission yeah. buttons go or just where that palm rest is, the shifter would be so stubby and shifting, you would hit your knuckles on the screen. <laughs> it can't be relocated anywhere yeah. else because either the lever will come back and your your shoulder will be too far back to try to mm-hmm. shift the car. You can't go forward with the lever because there's a screen right there. Yeah. You can't go over off to the side. There's nowhere to put it. They're not putting a manual in the C8. I, I can pretty much guarantee that. <laughs> You're right. You're Just right. Yep. looking at the architecture of the car and the center tunnel. Totally agree. The lever would be three inches tall. Does mm-hmm. anybody want a three inch tall manual shift lever? I don't think so. <laughs> Jewel Rian is asking about a young couple planning on a family. Should they consider a Volvo XC60 used, a 2021 Subaru Forester Sport, or a Mercedes GLC, something used? All those are excellent choices. Ultimately, you have to find still something that fits your needs Mm -hmm. for your growing family. Congratulations. But also, you can't not look at Mazda. Mm -hmm. You can't ignore Mazda. You're right. Either the CX-30 or the CX-5. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at a 2021 Super Forester, you got to go over and look at Mazdas. Completely agree. Used as well. Mm -hmm. I say look at those and then kind of decide. What do you like as far as amenities? How much are you going to be using the car? How much Mm -hmm. time are you going to be spending? Mm -hmm. And take stuff with you. To the dealership. <laughs> be, be those people. You you will Crack thank yourself the hatch, later. Yeah. Put the things in. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, say, yeah. do we want to live with this? You'll be happy you did that later. It seems weird on the day, but it, you'll be happy you did that later. I mean, it is weird on the day. It but, is weird. You know. Instagarrett1001. Um, is your wife around? Uh, I haven't met her, but this is a question specifically <laughs> about this? your wife. Okay. okay. So uh, she's now listening to the podcast. Hello, Instagarrett's wife. Uh, he said, how do I convince my wife? That a tool for the job is the correct way to buy cars. Oh. Okay, rakes and landmines. Here I go. I might put on a gas mask. It's going to get ugly. Uh, <laughs> she, she was insistent that both of them bought a full family-capable car the last time they bought cars. And the result was she has an X3, BMW X3, and he got an Audi A4 Avant. But he realizes, you were just talking about how do you use a car, Paul. 95% of the time, he drives a A4 wagon by himself. Right. And once right. every couple of weeks, he actually, just because of schedules, ends up picking up the kids at, at daycare. And he realizes that if it's once every couple of weeks he does that, he could swap with his wife for the X3. Which you're right. Your life suggests you don't need two four-door, four-seat with a hatch cars. You just don't need it. So how do we convince your lovely wife <laughs> that this is okay? This is not a, not a First great... Of all, Duck. <laughs> yeah, be careful. Walk slowly. This is not a great correlation, but I'm going to tell a stupid story on myself here in a minute to try to help sell the story. But I'm going to equate it to clothes and shoes. Okay. Because you've been somewhere in the wrong clothes or the wrong shoes. Sure. sure. I will give you a personal example. I went to visit my sister. Okay. She was living in Manhattan at the time. Okay. I came from California. I had some nice kind of khaki outdoorsy trousers and the shoes that I wear to actually do trails in California because I was going to walk around Manhattan a lot. Yeah, right, right. And I wore that and some T-shirt I had. And my sister, she met me on the corner and she looked at me (laughs) with this weird look on her face. And she said, you're kidding. And I said, what? She said, you look like such a tourist. And I was like, because I've got pants, a T-shirt and shoes on. She said, yes, but you look like you're going hiking in Manhattan. And I was like, no, I don't. I've got like actual hiking gear I didn't bring. She said, yes, but for here, you look like you're going hiking. All right. 
This is great. I was clearly not going to go to Wall Street looking like that. And she was she was embarrassed to be seen with me. Now, I'm her older brother anyway, so she was a little oh, embarrassed funny. as it is. But she was like, you look like you're going hiking. And I was like, this is like walking around clothes. <laughs> All right. You've also been to a nice dinner party and realized you didn't dress up enough. Yeah, that's happened. But if you have on really nice shoes, you bought those really nice shoes for the times when you need really nice shoes to go with those really nice slacks or whatever. And then if you had to get out in the mud, you're bothered. Or if you had to run for a subway or a cab or a whatever, you thought these are the wrong shoes for that. Yeah. My point yeah. here is I know cars are expensive, but we've said it before and I'm going to say it again. Every car you own doesn't have to do everything in your life. This is why you can actually swap out cars, swap out keys. It sounds like you guys have a situation here where you actually can plan your schedule well enough that you can take the proper car. My wife That's and I do point. this all the time. It's That's like if, if I'm going to take the dogs to the dog parks, I have to take the Cayenne because they're not fitting in the Z4 and they don't go in the Lotus. I need the Cayenne. My wife knows how to drive the sports car. She takes the sports cars. Admittedly, we have only one child. If the three of us have to go somewhere, though, guess what? We have to take the Cayenne because all three of us aren't fitting anywhere else. You just navigate that. But it allows for you to have the nice shoes when you have the nice dinner mm-hmm. or the great running shoes when you want to go running okay. or the nice do-it-all sneakers when you just need to go to the grocery store. This is what tools for jobs provide, and you can get enjoyment. And the thing is, just like the shoes, when you're wearing the right shoes for the occasion, you just feel more comfortable. You're getting more out of the situation. So okay. get a car that allows you, Garrett, to have fun. And then I get, if you do it right, you know, right in with a car debate. Let's try this. If you do it right, when your wife takes your fun car, she comes back at the end of the day and goes, I like driving your car today because you picked up the kids. See, that's gratifying. Ryan Ottawa is asking, what percentage of people are car people? He's guessing it's very low. Mm-hmm. The question I want to ask is how many people are car people and they don't really know it or they're repressed car people. That's great. We've had many of them write this podcast and be like, I kind of liked cars and now you guys have got me obsessed. It's the car disease. It is catching. Let's hope so. Yes, indeed. Guys, thank you so much for your questions. Really appreciate you writing in. Topic Tuesdays, car debates, car conclusions, and all the social media questions on Mondays and Thursdays to release Tuesdays and Fridays. And all the TV episodes are almost aired, but they will repeat and they're coming soon to Amazon Prime. Looking forward to your reactions. Let us know. Cheers, everybody.